What's up, Bob? What's up, Mo? Hey now, Bill Walton here, and you're listening to the BSN Buffs Podcast with RK and... This guy, Wes, Billy Gordon, man, he does all the little things, man. Wow. You talk about wingspan, he's got that too, man. Wesley Gordon, man, Colorado Springs, Colorado. BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Bryce Badwin, my normal co-host, is not here with us today. So I think it's probably something to do with his foot, you know, he's ailing. But I am joined by 11 feet 10 inches of co-hosts. And, you know, you do the math, that's just two average sized men, right? Five foot 11? Not the case here. Uh, one of my co-hosts here is taking up about 95% of that 11 feet 10 inches. <laughs> Tyler Ziskin, welcome into the show. And then, taking up the other 5%, Jake Shapiro. Guys, how you doing? It's good to be here. Do I also get to take up 95% of this show, or do I have to share? Uh, you can do whatever you want. I thought I'd never be allowed on this podcast. It's been three months, and I work for the site. I haven't been on the podcast It's one of those things that was like, I either had you on this week, or it just became the running joke that Jake is never allowed on the podcast. Right. So... So, happy to be here. So welcome in. You're, you, we weren't purposely excluding you. Just how it worked out. It's just because I was in the room. Taking right. up too much space. When you get you and Bo and Goose in here, there's just yeah. no space. They weren't in here. I know. To, be, yeah. Yeah. to be honest, I give him crap all the time for not having me on all the time as well. So. Well, there's some developments coming soon <laughs> to BSN Buffs and BSNDenver.com, which will allow us to have much more guests. So... If you're cool, you might get invited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I want to start, and we're talking, you know, all basketball here. I want to start with just, you know, we're eight games in now. How do you feel about this team going forward? Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I mean, you have to feel pretty good. I mean, without a doubt, they've been much better than I think most of us expected. We kind of talked about there were a lot of ifs before the season, and a lot of those have been really checked off, which you don't really expect. I mean, I think b- both of us, I know for a fact, were a little hesitant to really have crazy predictions this year be- just because of what we had seen the year before, and we didn't know how the chemistry would translate. Um, and you didn't. there was too many new pieces. I mean, you didn't know what Josh Fortune was going to be. You didn't know how George King was going to develop and all that stuff. So I-, I think we both had expectations that were probably a little bit higher than what we said on the air. Um, but for me, it's not anywhere near how good this team has looked now. It's not that they're winning, it's how they're winning. 
Um, I mean, obviously last year this team was incredibly guardable. You know, like all you had to do is make a shoot from outside and the game was over before it even started. Obviously that's really flipped the script this year. Um, I mean, we'll go over, you know, all the details and that kind of stuff, but you have to be really, really impressed with what this team has done so far. Even taking it a step further, you didn't know whether or not Josh Scott was going to be healthy. And that's been a great development for this team. But to this point, I thought the Buffs would be 7-1 and one or 6-2. and two. But the way they're playing is very encouraging. The way they're playing f- uh, from their wings, both inside uh, with Wesley Gordon and Josh Scott on the wings. And even the guard plays a little bit better than I expected with Thomas Akiazili emerging. And Dominique Collier uh, hasn't been great, but in that CSU game in the second half, you saw flashes of him being what he's supposed to be. Yeah, uh... You know, I think it's all, and I think Tyler said it the best, when there's all these ifs before the season, and you fall into, I think you go through waves as, you know, someone trying to cover the team, as you don't want to say too many of these ifs are good things, you don't want to say too many of these ifs are bad things, and I kind of fell into the, I, I, I'm just going to have my default set be all the ifs are going to be bad things, and it turns out all the ifs thus far have been good things, um, and I think... Dominique Collier is one of the the biggest uh, bright spots that's getting the least amount of credit right now. I mean, he was plus 27 in that CSU game. That's insane. That's, like, numbers you don't normally hear at all. And, and if you look at how it worked for him, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, they make the early run. They take a little bit of a, a lead early. He gets in the foul trouble, goes out, doesn't come back in until the second half when they just explode. So it's a little bit skewed there, I guess you would say, because it's his fault he got in foul, foul trouble. But aside from his foul trouble, he's been great. Um, Josh Scott's been the All-American. Wesley Gordon is averaging a double-double in the last three games. It's it's all starting to come together for this team, and I, I think it's very, very, very uh, exciting. Yeah, I mean, I would have to say I was pretty hard on Dom last year for sure, but I've kind of been on the other side of the spectrum this year. I definitely think he's played a lot better than I think he's been given credit for thus far. Um, the main thing for me is that he's taking care of the ball. Um, the, a majority of his turnovers are charges, which you live with because you like the aggressiveness. Um, he's shooting the ball fantastic from outside. Still not shooting the ball great inside, but I think that's probably going to continue because he does struggle with athleticism and finishing over people in the lane, obviously. So for me, I've been really happy with what he's done. Um, especially you, you mentioned that CSU game is plus 27. I hate plus minus. It's a ridiculous stat that doesn't always tell what's going on. But in that game, I think it really did. He, when he was in the game, that yeah, offense worked. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and he was making unbelievable passes, especially I remember one specific run in the second half. He had an unbelievable back-to-back um, entry passes into the post. that led The to one that he just slung over there? Yeah, and then he had another one that got right past the defender, Josh spun around and dunked it for you know for the finish towards the end there. Right, and he's in there bringing the ball up all those runs. I mean, he's yeah. getting the ball to the guys that are hot, which is, which is a key because sometimes the buffs – shy away from getting the ball to the hot hands. And I think Dominique Collier did a good job of that in the second half of the CSU yeah, game. Yeah, and the one, the one stat that's important for him in that game in particular is that he had seven assists and one turnover. Anytime your point guard has seven assists and one ton- turnover, you have to feel pretty good about your chances to win the basketball game. That's that's the floor general. That's that leadership that you want to see from your point guard. Not only did he have seven and one, Josh Fortune had six and one. Uh, if you can get two guards combining for 13 assists and two turnovers... You're feeling pretty good. Uh, and, then the, and, and I will say, if you're getting those assists from the wings, which has been huge, they got one game where they had Trayshawn Fletcher get seven or eight assists. They're getting assists from the wings, which just shows how much ball movement they're getting, which has been fantastic. It's been one of the huge uh, additions to this team from last year uh, is the ball movement. It's 
when I call the games, it's so hard to announce because it goes from side to side to side. And you look at the two guys last year where the ball stopped every time they got the ball in their hands was jo- uh, was uh, a ski booker and Jerron Hopkins. This year, those guys aren't in there, and the defense isn't able to reset when the ball goes side to side when they're slinging it around. Yeah, and then on top of that, you've got them making the shots. They're making the open shots, which is why the assist numbers are going up, and it's why those wings are getting assists because, you know, you double Josh, he kicks it to the corner, that person kicks it over, and then you get the easiest assist of your life, which is just passing it to the guy who just closed out on you to his man, and, you know, he hits an open three. Um, they've got four four players on this team shooting over 40% from three. No, now five with Wes. I know he's <laughs> two for three on the season, but they now have five players shooting over 40%. Um, that's insane. I mean, you've got George King doing it. You've got Trey, uh, Trey Fletcher doing it. You've got Josh Fortune doing it. You've got Dom Collier and now Wesley Gordon shooting over 50, 40% from three. Yeah, um, I would say Xavier Talton is probably pretty close to being. He might. Actually, with, with well. a make in that last game, he might have yeah, moved himself up. Yeah. I think he was shooting 39%. Four, he's four of eight, so he's got 50%. Yeah, yeah. And there even Tomazaki Zeely's at 38.9%. So that's really. And I don't know if Tad Boyle ever wants to go as far as I will, but I, that's what college basketball is to me, uh, is making three-pointers. Like, that's how you have success. And you mm-hmm. double that down with having the inside presence that the Buffs have, and they really have, like, if you got if you took a blind test and just looked at the roster and the stats and everything, they have, like, a really great, great college roster for what you want, you know, going into the tournament, what you want for a whole season. Um, looking at just this team on paper right now is like it's almost a perfect college roster in my opinion. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, it's one of those things that we we yelled and yelled about this last year about efficient ball movement. It's not just about moving the ball; it's about taking those quality open looks as well. I mean, you're in college because you're capable of putting the ball in the basket. That's pretty much the case for every single person who plays Division One basketball. Even the worst basketball players are going to hit open shots more consistently than not. So. Those are the type of shots that you've seen this team take this year. I mean, specifically Josh Fortune and George King have been able to take those open threes and put them down, things that we didn't see last year from a lot of the guys on the squad. And for me, that's the biggest difference is there there are guys on the court willing to shoot. So you're not just passing to a guy you know is not going to take the shot. Um, So the the ball movement's been much better. I mean, you talked about how well everybody individually is shooting on the team. So this might not be surprising, but they're 13th nationally right now in three-point percentage. Yeah. Last year they were 203rd. That's first of all the fact that they were 203rd last year <laughs> blows my mind because I can't imagine 150 teams shooting worse than they did. Right, three. right. That's but but that's obviously a huge improvement, something that you see last year. And and if I had told you before the season that this team would average 84 points a game coming into this, we would all laughed. You know, I mean, obviously they've had. I mean, not to get negative really quick, but. According to Ken Palm, we've played the 34, 334th ranked oppose, opponent D strength of schedule, which means we've played a lot of teams that are really even, terrible. Yeah, even the, I mean, the decent teams they've played have been yeah. terrible defensively. Like yeah, CSU. so I looked it up to try to get some information. Um, Iowa State's the only team we've played in the top 175 in adjusted defense. So, I mean, that's... You, it's you, to be expected. You can, yeah. you can see, you can expect a little bit of regression yeah. there, but... At the same time, you can see that there are kids who are capable of scoring from anywhere on the court on this team. And while they might not score 84 for the end of the year, they don't have to. And to me, it's been huge because they've got they've now that these kids have confidence, they have momentum. Um, they've all made enough shots now that they're going to keep shooting them. And this is an underrated thing about shooting open shots 
it really helps your offensive rebounding too. Because when you know every time Josh Fortune gets an open look in the corner, he's letting it fly, you can crash as soon as you see him get that look. Uh, and that's why you've seen this team get some good offensive rebounding numbers too. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, yeah, they've played some pretty bad defenses and and that sort of thing. But it's going to, I mean, there's always open looks. And especially in this offense, there's always going to be open looks. The fact that they've built this confidence they're able to make it is huge. And you're taking a quarter of your shots from behind the three-point arc so far this season. And you're hitting 42% of them. That's great. And you talk about them finding the open man and hitting these shots. Not only are they doing that, but they're getting to the free throw line. They're getting to the free throw line a lot. They've gotten to the free throw line 201 times in their first eight games. Um that, that's a really solid number, and they're shooting 74.6% from the free throw line, which leads the Pac-12 uh, in non-conference play. So not only are they getting open shots Real and open quick, did looks. did you see Tad talking about that today? Yeah, free throws. No, I haven't seen it yet. That was awesome. Yeah, he's just like, I don't talk about free throws. He's like, I don't talk about the free throws. That's a you thing. He's like, but when you're not making them, everyone has a, new, has a little tip for you, you know. It's just like back problems. It's like, <laughs> oh, my Aunt Gilda had back problems. Like, here's what she did to fix it. He's like, oh, well, like Rick Barry, you know, shot it underhand. Why don't you try that? So Right. You yeah. never heard about Brett, uh, you never hear about, like, Chauncey at the free throw line. You only hear about Shaq. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just think that's so huge. They're not only getting the open shots, but they're knocking them down. And they're probably not going to keep scoring over 80 a night, but... You see the makings of them being able to score in Pac-12 play, especially on the road, which is something they haven't done ever since Tad Boyle's really taken over the coach. Maybe Sands the first year. Sands. Sands. Yeah, I, I, so I got to get that in for Bryce. Yeah, that road comment actually made me think of a point I looked up yesterday. I hadn't posted it on Twitter yet, but um, we didn't get two wins over RPI 150 teams on the road until the last week of the season last year. And we've done that. And I was I was comparing it to a lot. You know, I do the bubble analysis and all that every year. There were 17 teams on that list who had three or less road wins the entire year. And we already have two barely halfway through non-conference play. So that's really important, and especially considering both of them are against quality teams. They might not necessarily be NCAA tournament teams, but they are quality teams, and that's going to be important to the committee coming and down the stretch. If buffs if the Buffs can beat BYU this Saturday... They're going to go into non-conference play almost, or into conference play almost guaranteed, uh, undefeated at home and undefeated on the road. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, you're going to be in right because they're going to be in Vegas in neutral courts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Nice little tidbit there, <laughs> Shep. Yeah. Uh, you talked about getting quality road wins. They got a huge one this last week, and uh, you can talk about how bad CSU is on defense. You can talk about whatever you want. Anytime. You go on the road and win, we mentioned, is huge. Anytime you go on the road and beat CSU, your rival, this, the team that even their coach admitted that college basketball season doesn't start in their town until they, until they play CU, um, it's their Super Bowl. It really is. And anytime you can go get a team and, and kind of, you know, fight one out on the road, it's huge. Uh, Shap, you were in the building. What kind, of, what kind of atmosphere was in there? How big was that win, do you think? As Tad Boyle said to the media as we all put it on our recorders and walked away from the press con- uh, the, the media scrum, that was big, that was huge. And it just builds more confidence for this team, not only on the road, but playing quality opponents. Because it's easy to look at this, let's say they lost to CSU, it's easy to go, oh, well, dang, you know, they almost lost to Fort Lewis. Like, they almost lost to Nebraska-Omaha. How now they lost they, to Colorado yeah. State. How good are they? So I think that validates them. And it's it sucks to say, well, Colorado State validates Colorado. 
but it's still a tough environment. It's still on the road. You were down over 10 points at half. I think this win was so big for them because it shows this team that they are the real deal and that that Auburn game wasn't just a flash and that their home court isn't just the reason why they're winning. So from a mentality standpoint, it's big. From a, a gameplay standpoint, it shows that this team can come back. And that's not something every single shoot team has three. had because they shoot the three, and it is an unbelievable equalizer. I think uh, uh, one of the great college basketball analysis says this, the three-point uh, shot is the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. And maybe Colorado doesn't have as much talent as they did last year. That's a whole other debate. But their three-point shooting ability and skill makes up for whatever they lack in talent from the last few years. Yeah, to me, I, th- I think the – the biggest aspect of it for me is that we've seen Tad Boyle make adjustments in game this year. And not to say that he was stubborn, because that's probably a little bit strong, but he definitely has his core values that he likes to go with, and he likes to let his players figure it out. That can be super frustrating at times in the years past, and I think we saw in a lot of his comments over the summer that a lot of that stuff was going to change, and we didn't really know if that would be the case or if it was just him talking. And I think we've definitely seen that that's been the case. I mean, to completely switch up your defensive philosophy at the half of uh, a game against your biggest rival is something that I don't think you would have done in the past, and it's a big part of why we won the game. I mean, they had to do something to get Gianclavel and John Gillen frustrated. And they completely changed up the defense on him, and it worked. I mean, I think anybody who follows basketball closely watching that game knew that we were going to come back in some capacity. Maybe not win, but there's no way you're going to make that many difficult shots in back-to-back halves. Anybody who watched basketball consistently can see that, okay, they're really hot right now. It's yeah. frustrating, yeah. but that's going to that's gonna stop. Like, that's how basketball works. They're not going to make these shots. They're shooting the 70%. I wouldn't have said we were going to tie the game within four minutes. Well, and they were within one within two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, right. yeah. so I mean, I, but what's nice about it is that this team, last year that team would have folded because they, they knew they didn't have the weapons to s- overcome a 14-point deficit or 13, I think it was, at halftime. 13, and, yeah. And this year they absolutely do. And I think what's also good, not only is the coach adjusting, but the players are starting to realize, like, okay, we can't let these dudes just shoot wide open threes. I mean, they've struggled overall defensively, Ed, but they have been much better in the second half of most of the games when they needed to lock up. And I think that's important as well because they're really understanding what Tad is telling them. Just going towards Tad in areas he's improved, uh, lineup management. If you look at how he managed the lineup in that game, he realized Tory Miller didn't come to play that day. Tory Miller didn't play in the second also, half. Also, it was a terrible matchup for Tory. Right. Yeah. So he he sat Tory, and what he did was he played three wings at one point. And Trayshawn Fletcher got into foul trouble, so they probably would have played three wings for more of that game. But he was holding he was holding that lineup for that game. Right. He was saving that because that that that's probably the best five you can put on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Talent wise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to take anything away from Wes, but putting. I mean, you. But you he, can put he even Dom, kept Wes on the floor because he realized how good Wes was playing, right, right. and that shows he's different in his is. Uh, he's more uh, open, in his open to adjust this yeah. year. Uh, I, as many people know, I wasn't there at the game, and I, I kind of got like a halftime update, update score. They're down thirteen, and I, you know, I thought to myself, "Oh, they're done." But when I went back and rewatched the game, I was like, "There's no uh, like even being down thirteen, CU fans had to feel okay at half." Because Josh finally gets involved at the end of the half, and I've no, I mean that was one of the craziest shooting performances I've seen from a half out of a team. Clavel, like I I talked to I think Tyler after the game, and he was like Clavel was throwing in such BS, and 
I didn't, like, I saw him throw in two, and I was like, oh, I see what Tyler is talking about. And then he threw in, like, three more, and I was like, oh, my God, this was insane. Yeah, I mean, every, every, every game, Tyler will tweet, this kid's just throwing up absolute garbage. And that, this game was, like, the most peak. <laughs> this kid's just throwing absolute garbage up, and it's going Yeah, in. but, I mean, every, t- every game you see that, it's like, this kid continues to shoot, and... By and large, in the second half, he's just throwing up bricks. Yep. I mean, you could even see, you knew we were going to come back when even the CSU beat writers were all over Twitter like, wow, we just chucked our way into 65% shooting. Like, that can't continue. We better guard somebody in the second half. And lo and behold, that's how it, that's how it happened. And I think, you know, you as someone who played at a higher level, level than I didn't know this probably, but even I know, like, in a rec league, if I hit, like, Three threes in the first half. I'm like dreading halftime because you you right. like reset and you're like, oh no, like am I gonna be able to do that again in the second half? So shooting is is a very mental thing and like you know that someone only Steph Curry can do it for a whole game. Yeah, I mean it's not even so much mental necessarily as it is just rhythm. I mean like you, there are some games that you're just super hot, but you can feel yourself going into halftime just get cold as well. You know yeah, what I mean? like, like literally, it's not, it's not even yeah. just it's not even necessarily mental, but you can just like. It, it's gone. Whatever I had is no longer there. I need to find other ways to score. Yeah. And that definitely does get into your head as well. And what stands out to me is Rich Kurtzman, our BSN Rams beat writer, he goes to me right at halftime. He's just like, oh, this, is, this isn't looking good for the Buffs. He goes, well, uh, but last Saturday, UTEP uh, came back. They were down 17 at half on Colorado State, and within two minutes, the game was tied. <laughs> and so I tweet that out, and I was like, all right, whatever. You know, 15 minutes later, game's tied two minutes after the half. Um, but the shooting percentages between the half, Colorado State shot 60% in the first half versus 22% in the second half. And behind the arc, they shot seven threes in the first half. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, seven for 10. Seven for 10. It wasn't right. like they were seven for 20. Right, they no, they were seven, seven for, 10. for 10. And they threw up 52 points in the first half. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, Colorado puts up 49 in the second. So it just shows the team's ability to score is awesome because you know they basically couldn't shoot the ball for a solid 10 minutes in the first half they had a run where they didn't hit a shot from the field I think for over eight minutes in the first half and if I would have said that last year that team would have not scored 60 points in a game basically this year this team still is able to put up 88 without scoring from the field for 10 minutes that's pretty crazy I still can't believe they scored 33 against Wyoming last year (laughs) yeah well looking back at it by the end of the year you could believe Right, but like, <laughs> I don't even know, like, 33, like, I feel like us three, On like, accident. Will and Adam could make 33 <laughs> right. over 40 minutes With a game. With two Cougars coming off the bench. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it was kind of a funny, it was an interesting experience, I guess I'll say, to watch that game, because it was the complete opposite of what that series has been since Boyle and U Station got mm-hmm. there. Just a complete battle on the glass, super physical grind it out, low-scoring type of basketball game. And this thing was just a total crapshoot. I mean, like, there's shots going in left and right from all over the place. So it was kind of not what I was expecting to watch, I guess I'll say, even though I knew both defenses probably would have trouble stopping them. It, that game just always used to end up that way to me. So it was a little bit of an interesting experience to watch that game. Just be like, wow. It was, it was still really physical, points. though. It, yeah. was, it was, but I think to your point, one of the reasons why Josh was able to get going was because this game wasn't as physical. And I'm not saying Josh is soft, because I think Josh has shown that he is a tough player down low. 
What I am saying is if you're putting two guys on your center and you're just getting elbows all game, it's going to be tougher for Josh to score. That's just how it is. So as soon as CSU kind of realized, oh, well, we got to guard the perimeter on these guys, Josh was able to get going a little bit. And all of a sudden from there it was like a water. He saw a lot of single coverage, and you did see CSU kind of be stubborn. And the fact yeah. that they weren't going to switch off them, and Josh just destroyed yeah. them in the second half. Like, they had no chance whatsoever, especially when Teal was out of the game, to shut them to shut him down at all. I mean, like, he was getting easy looks whenever he wanted, and the second half was just a complete demolition. Right, everyone on Twitter, I think you, JG, and uh, Rumble and Buff were all just, like, like, whispering to each other, like, Nobody tells CSU that <laughs> yeah. Josh is being single-guarded the entire game. Like, nobody tell anybody. So that that game puts the Buffs at seven and one. Uh, now you're looking at a, another big time matchup this weekend, uh, and you're you're bringing in the six and two BYU Cougars. Who are they? Seven and two now? Did, I think they're six. They're six and two. Uh, even with the win last night. I don't know. Yeah. Well, ESPN says six and two. So. Okay. Well, now you bring in BYU. Um, in this, like like Shep said, this is the last uh, kind of challenge at home. Or maybe the only challenge at home you have during this non-conference schedule, it's um, a big-time game. The Buffs need to win, and it's a big. It's it's really the only chance for the fans to like make a statement in the non-conference. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think if people are a little sold on BYU in the last couple years as well, though. This team is not as good as they've been the last few years. They're definitely. It talks a little bit to the strength of our schedule that I still think they're probably the second best team or maybe third best team that we're going to play in the non-conference. But they are not as elite of a team as they were last year, more specifically than anything else. I mean, they've got four quality guys. They remind me a little bit of Cal in that they have a really quality front end of their roster. But once you get past that, they're really not very difficult at all. If they get in any semblance of foul trouble or fatigue, they're in a lot of trouble. If they're Cole, if they're two best players, so you get two guys who are going to shoot the ball really well in Fisher and Emery. Um, outside of that, they don't really have anybody on the perimeter that plays enough minutes that's really going to scare you. Um, if those guys aren't both hot, they're going to really struggle to stay with us, I think. I, I really do think on a simple level that's just how it's going to go for them. And they've got one of the better head coaches in college basketball, yeah. Dave Rose. Uh, but for BYU, I, I think it's, it's key for them to affect Josh Scott because you're seeing for Colorado that – a lot of what is created on offense is through Josh Scott, even three-pointers, because uh, a lot of those three-pointers are created when Josh is doubled and they kick it back out and swing it around. So for them, that's the key to this game. But I really like where Colorado is at going into this game. They haven't played their best ball defensively. I don't I, I don't know if they've played their best ball offensively yet. I, I think it's I think you could make the case that they have, but either way, they're putting up almost 80 points a game, if not over 80 points a game in every single game this season. And on the rebounding uh, from the rebounding perspective, Colorado's just own the glass at home. So I really like where Colorado's at, and really, if Colorado's able to to play somewhat of a, a good game defensively, above average, they don't even need to play their best game defensively, I think they'll roll through BYU. Because I don't, I don't think BYU's that tough, especially at home for Colorado. I, I think they're able to pretty much put this one away. And, and that, like you said, speaks to the strength of schedule this year. It also sucks from a scheduling perspective that this is like the only game that the students can show up to, and it's still the night before finals. So you're not going to see the huge attendance that you have over the last few years for non-conference games uh, because of 
there were all the games were over break, and the one that's been during school is during finals week. So it it sucks from that perspective, but you know uh, I think and and that can even get in the Colorado players' heads. I think because you know you're just still students and it still sucks to take exams to some point. Uh, Ryan's shaking his head no, but they don't go shit. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know. I I just I feel like Eli Stalzer's probably prepping for that. Uh, for that piano piano Good. final, him, and, yeah, and right. he's going to be off his game, and he might not even play on the wing during that game. Oh, so you might not even see that there. Um, but uh, No one knows the joke you just made. Right? That's you okay. just sound like an idiot. That's okay. It's a great joke, and we only need to hear it. This is for our friends. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Colorado will handle this one pretty easily, and same with Hampton and Nichols, and they'll go into Vegas with a nine, or Ten and one record, probably getting votes. If not, they're already getting votes in the coaches' poll, and uh, you know we'll see where the, where they're at then. And those will be two big games to finish off their non-conference season. But I think it starts Saturday, and they need to to keep proving themselves, proving to themselves that they are a legit team. Here's the thing with this game to me is there's not one matchup that BYU wins that I that I, in my mind. Uh, so. It, as long as the guards can stay away from fouling, which I really think is, is going to be a huge issue for this team uh, throughout the whole year, but it, as long as they stay out of foul trouble, I don't see a place where you know you think, oh, you know BYU can really expose this player by doing this. Um, it's it's going to be a game where it, you know Colorado controls most of what what what's going on if they come to play and do that. Um, you know, if CU wants to score inside, they can score inside. If BYU wants to double it, then they're going to have all the matchups they want on the perimeter, you know, and it's going to be, you know, George King can can drive, he can back down uh, anyone. It's a lot of matchups favor Colorado. There's really not an excuse or a reason they should lose this game. Yeah, I mean, they definitely should be able to wear them down on the perimeter just with the amount of guys that they have available. Um, I'm, I'm a little interested to see how Davis matches up against Josh Scott. Uh, he's pretty solid big man down low. He's got really good footwork. He uses his body well. But if him, if Josh basically neutralizes him, it's on Wes Gordon to go to work on the other side of the block. Um, they don't have somebody that can really match up with his talent level on the other end. I think he has an opportunity to have a big day on the glass. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see how we guard Kyle Collinsworth. I mean, he's a walking triple-double. It's, he's great. He's, yeah, he's, I mean, but, he's, he's but, a really good player, but he's not but a you agree shooter. with me in the sense that he doesn't create necessarily a matchup issue for CU. Yeah, I don't think he does at all, simply because of the fact that Tad talked about this in his interview today. Um, we have a lot of long, big wings that you can switch back and forth between George King, Sean Fletcher, Josh Fortune on him and give him some trouble. And to me, I hope they lay off of him. He's not a great three-point shooter, and he's going to struggle to create for other people on the court if we're able to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how we play this team because the BYU is good can they win the game yes should they be expected to definitely not um and the way that this team is playing see that Colorado is playing right now I would be surprised um I, I think we could probably put them away I think it might be close in this first half but I think in the second half just the at, especially at the wing position I just think we have too much depth that's really gonna make it difficult for them going do you uh what do you think the line's gonna be seven Okay, I was going to say six and a half. Okay, and one of the other areas you talked about inside a little bit, but the depth inside. And Torrey Miller, I've been high on him. I think he is so key for Colorado because he just adds another piece inside. 
And then you have the ability to put George King at the four. I don't think teams like BYU have that ability where they can just go three or four deep at the four or five positions. And I think that's just so key for Colorado that they can kind of create mismatches and go deep in that position. Another thing to note for this game is BYU is 0-2 on the road this year with losses against Long Beach State and Utah, which are really their only two tough teams they've played so far this year. Yeah, uh... Anything else you guys wanted to mention about this game? Um, I was just going to talk a little bit about, so our three-point percentage defense nationally, 325th, that's not good. Um, <laughs> but overall, we have a 40, 41.9% field goal percentage defense, um, which is 151st nationally, which is not fantastic, but we have played pretty good offenses. So, you know, by and large average. And what that does mean is that our two-point field goal percentage defense is right. fantastic if we're that far down in the three-point percentage category. Um, and so to me, once again, that's going to be a big factor here because if they let Fisher and Emery go off, they can stay in the game. If they make them drive and finish over Josh and West, it's going to be a long night for BYU. Crank it, Glenn! Crank it, Glenn! Crank it, Glenn! Uh, NBA Live, yeah. 2003. Hot Carl MC. Yo, EA Sports. It's like, wow! Yeah. It's like a slam to the face. Tell me how the 360 tastes. Now you're just another poster. Your mother's disgrace. You're about to get laced when you go against my team. Lose your self-esteem when I throw another scream. When I throw another dream, it's gonna fall, of course. I'm wearing the goggles the Kurt Rambis used to sport. You coming up short like Spud Webb gets to walking. I pull a Mutumbo and let my finger do the talking. It's NBA. You cats know how to spell it. Been down with EA Sports since Lakers versus Celtics. But this new new game, Hot Crawl takes out the trash. I'm Michael Bibby with a little dash of Steve Nash. I'm quick to dribble pass i'm quick to bounce pass and quick to take the lane if i see an open pass and i'm quick to do the math either way you getting dissed you might not see the fist but you definitely hearing this it's wow 2003 nba ea hot crawl mc we wow i'm a coachy coachy layup's not an option rebound closely wow you see that jersey cat never double zero with that hero of rap and wow so y'all should be ashamed because if it's in the game Welcome back in. Thanks, Glenn, uh, for making it here, even though Bryce didn't. I know you two are boys, so it was nice of him to come without Bryce. Uh, now, as always, we get into the fun stuff, uh, and the first thing we're going to come with here was a Tyler Ziskin creation. Every time he comes on the show, he, he comes up with something great. He, he invented something to say, inadvertently, uh, but um, he wanted to do one to kind of encourage the C unit, to bring their A game on Saturday. So uh, he wanted to do a segment, best signs that the students can bring to the game on Saturday. Uh, we each have a couple, and then we're just going to kind of get out of the way for Tyler because <laughs> this is his thing. Uh, so, Shap, go ahead and read yours. Uh, I've got Nick Punch here, uh, a billboard, and then there's a bullseye in the middle. So okay, yeah, yeah. Punch. Yeah. Uh, But I'm more of a big head guy. I've always liked the big heads, uh, and I told... My buddies over at the C unit to get a big 1-800 hotline bling uh, poster board that goes across, and to have a couple of Drakes dancing for one of the free throw routines. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that happens on Saturday. Okay. But that would be hilarious. Chef loves doing the Drake dance. Yeah, I actually, little known fact about Chef. Because because it's how all Jews dance. <laughs> it's Drake, poorly. Drake, right, Drake putting on for the Jews, right, Tyler? <laughs> yeah. 
I definitely fit that bill as well. I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> you, have, you have bigger arms than me, so I feel like it's even worse. Like, you don't know where to put them. <laughs> I'm all elbows. Like, just my entire dance groove is just... It's, so you're it's, what's that Will Smith movie? What, Hitch. 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 Yeah, it's just like, you stay here. Yeah, you got elbows in. Elbows in. No, I'm all, I'm, my elbows are just all over the place. Uh, now that you know about our dancing skills, I, I just have one, and I just want to leave it for Tyler after I do this. But mine uh, is a picture of Nick Emery doing his punch with the caption, Mission Accomplished. <laughs> get it, because mission. mission. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, so I did... I don't do get it. If you don't get it, you don't deserve to get it. Yeah, so um, mine are all BYU related as well. I wish I had come up with some that maybe weren't BYU related. You know, keep it cool with the kids these days. There are probably some great celebrity photos out there we should be having in the student section right now. I'll think of those for another time. They're going to do a bunch of crying Jordans. Exactly. Didn't didn't Will get a a big head at one point? Yeah, I still have it. Can I I get one? I'll I'll put in a word for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could probably make that happen. I like that. They're going to make a big head of Carlton for the game Saturday, too. The security guard Carlton. (laughs) No, he's the man. Yeah, he is the man. Alright, so... Ask him about when I freestyle rapped for him. Good story. Alright, nice. Alright, so here's my first one. My first one is the sign that simply says, Haymakers are an honor code violation. (laughs) Um, We'll see what I have to say about that one. Apparently they aren't, because they tend to throw a lot of punches at people and don't get in trouble, which, you know... BYU is... Year in, year out, known as like maybe one of the dirtiest basketball yeah. programs. Even football, didn't they get into that massive brawl at yeah, a bowl game? Memphis last year. Yeah. yeah, that was BYU. Yeah, that was like seventy-five people throwing punches. That was sweet. No one even got suspended for that. No one. Which is hilarious, possible. considering what Garrett Blount got like super suspended. Yeah. For knocking out that one Oregon dude. You, which the whole was year. Awesome, the whole year. No, no, he didn't miss that. He no, he like the first. No, he didn't. He, he only like came back for the bowl game. I'm pretty sure. No, no. we'll have to look at it. We'll All confirm. Right. But anyways. So the second one I have is just as you, I want it to look like the BYU honor code, like maybe looking like the Constitution. What do you think the honor code looks like? I don't know. But anyways, all it says is like sex, a- sex is allowed, but by sex we mean assault. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tyler then, brought it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have the next one is if you can't beat them, beat them. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one that I have is. It's, you know, it says BYU with the blue letters or whatever, so it spells out BYU going from the top to the bottom, and it says beating your opponent up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's great. Oh, Tyler Ziskin, one-time leader of the student section, <laughs> still bringing heat. Uh, C-Unit, I hope you're listening, paying attention. Yeah, please feel free to use all those, because I find them to be fun, and you should too. So I'll go to the game, bring some signs. I know the security people are going to give you crap for your sign. Just run really fast. They're slower than you are. You'll get in. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 agree. I agree with all of that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I just had to prove Tyler wrong really, really quickly here. LeGarrette Blunt. After the opening game of the 2009 season, Blunt was suspended for punching an opponent and angrily confronting fans on his nationally televised season opening loss. Though the suspension was an... Oh, Okay. So though the suspension was announced for the remainder of the season, due to his meeting of specific criteria, it was, he was reinstated after missing eight games. Oh, okay. So, That's more than I thought, yeah. so you win. Thank you. I like winning. Uh, had a better uh, suspension than Jeff To be honest, I actually right. remembered that I remembered that being the last game of the year, but it was the first game. It was the, game. Yeah, it was like thought, the first game of the everyone was watching that game. game. And then the next year he was suspended, but you're right. Mm-hmm. No, no yeah, like yeah, everyone was, was watching that game was yeah. just like horrified. 
Yeah. Like yeah. Sports Center started like two minutes later. They're like, what just happened? <laughs> that dude got knocked out cold. Yeah. He deserved so, it. Though, so yeah, no, I absolutely. I was, to- I was totally team blunt. Yeah, dude. He deserved it. Don't be As many people in Boulder are. Out. Team Blunt. <laughs> Cleveland thought, boys. Better not be talking. I thought, it was, very, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty blunt that he was in the right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> speaking of winning, we're going to do another all-Cougar draft because, one, I lost and that pissed me off, and two, they're playing the Cougars again, so why not take any excuse to talk about hot chicks? Um... Since both of you aren't really part of the rotation, I will take... That pains me to do it, to just give it to you guys. But I'll take the third overall pick. Uh, You two figure out how to... Can I just say that my initial reaction to this was Steve Young because I thought it was funny and... BYU related. Can I, I just say that Tyler? Young is. Can I just say that Tyler? He's trying to make you feel old. <laughs> can I just say that Tyler before the segment said, "You you did this because we're playing the Cougars, right?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure. Because yeah. Ryan, Ryan's a little spacey sometimes. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's all those blunts. I don't... Oh, you know, I don't see, smoke. we just had to go back to that. <laughs> it might be the beers. It's definitely not the blunts. The, the Finkel and Garf cream house? Yep. Alright, That's so who's, who's got the next one? I'll, I'll give it to Zisk. I'll give it to oh, Zisk. number one pick. Alright, so the number Wait, one... Wait, no, no, he's... This okay, is his Jack. first time ever. Okay, yeah, that's true. It to him. You're the guest of honor for the first time. Well, so get it. By far, easily in a way, my number one would have been Leslie Mann. But right, Bryce, and we did establish right. before this that you couldn't take people. So Bryce took her last draft, so I couldn't take her. So I'm going to go with Drew Barrymore. Nice. Drew Barrymore is, uh, was always a favorite of mine as a kid. Fever pitch. Mm. Right. One of the Sox. worst See, base best movies ever. <laughs> Screw the rest. I'm not sad about that one. Yeah, okay. that was. I have, list, I have a list of seven. In case we were. When all I was a young game, man like Shaft, I also liked Drew Barrymore, but I've oh, grown out of her. I mean, I don't hate Drew Barrymore, but she's not a top. She's cute. She's a little wacky. So, she's cute. She fits my mold. My number one pick is Heidi Klum. Man, she should have been all of your number one picks, let's be honest. Because she's That's gorgeous. Strong. That's strong. And she's, I think she's like 50. Really? If my wife looks like that when she's 50, I'm a proud man. I think mine's a, my first pick is in her 50s, too. All right, good. Let's see it. So, uh, with my first pick, I took the beautiful, wonderful, amazing voice, Faith Hill. Okay, that's a good one. Faith Hill's hot. Hill. Are you going next now because of no? We're not snake drafting. Works. Just do it. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, one person that came to mind for me here would have been Demi Moore. Except if you've ever seen that picture of her way back in the day, <laughs> I'm gonna avoid Demi Moore. So Tyler knows what I'm talking about. I don't know. What you're um, talking about. I'll show it to you after the pod. That's beware too, of the Google. That's too <laughs> R-rated for the pod. Um, so, I think I'm gonna take Marissa Tomei. Hmm. Okay. I don't. I like what I'm, you're doing I'm so not, far. I'm not I'm, familiar with the uh, the woman. You don't, not, yes, you don't know Marissa Tomei. Where's she from? Uh, what's her name? The lawyer movie. Yeah. Uh, I the, I don't even know to be honest. But if you saw her, you would know. Who she it's was. one of uh, one of the best movies the ever. Blonde. No. <laughs> That's Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I was gonna say. What's Marissa? Who? By the way, no. By the way, I looked her up because I wanted her to be on my list. She's 39. So she was ineligible. Reese will get you this. next year yeah. for the Washington <laughs> State game. My cousin Vinny. She's in my cousin Vinny. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so anyways, my number two, which I think is going to be a real wild card, and but she is a babe, and I'm in love with her. You probably don't even know what she looks like now, but Mel B 
from the Spice Girls is <laughs> my girl. Tyler's this is what you're so hype on, dude. She's gorgeous. Which which Spice Girl she's is she? The, uh, I don't I don't know how to say this in any other way. I don't know. I don't even know what her name is. So she was Scary Spice. No. Yeah, scary spice, yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to say she's the black one. <laughs> yeah, I do. But it is true. Scary spice, yeah. I forget which one is which. I don't know. Damn, I'll, did you have a picture? Yeah, right yeah. Up I'll, the, I'm gonna pull her up. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, with my second pick, and I honestly am mad at myself for overlooking her in the last one because I love her. Uh, Julie Bowen from Modern Family. Okay. Also, Happy Gilmore back in her day. If, if you, What's her I don't know if name? you ever put that those two together. Julie Bowen. What character was she in Happy Gilmore? She was the chick that he loves. Oh, that's that's who that is. Yeah. Interesting. I've yeah. never put that together. I know most people. She's have. okay. Yeah. She's okay. I can I can see it. I'm a big fan. She's. Oh yeah. Good pick there, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, that girl's a guy. I think. Yeah. I think anyway. Julie Bowen's hotter than Sofia Vergara in Modern Family. Okay. That might be a hot take. Okay, that's that's fine with me. Um, so, with my next pick, because um, we get three, and Ryan started the tradition of bringing in weather girls. Yes. Um, it might have cost me the, the win, but you know what? I was proud of it. I'm gonna yeah. go out there, and this isn't even this is Kathy Saban's understudy, Belinda De Leon on Nine News Mornings. We're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look it up. I don't. I'm not even sure if she's 40. She might just be pushing it. That's why you couldn't figure out if she was 40. (laughs) You couldn't find like her bio on my news. Say her age. So she's like a former singer. She's on TV. Right. She might might be in her. Honestly, she might be in her 20s. We're gonna have to tweet at her from BSN. Oh, yeah. This is an official test. All right, so I, I've been watching one. Nine News Mornings just for her for a long time. <laughs> my third one. I'm, well, I boycott Has nine. anyone picked someone that was on somebody else's list yet? Oh, wow. Is that Demi Moore? Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not hating. Is that Demi Moore? <laughs> I do not know Demi Moore. I thought that was his... <laughs> yeah, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Because my eyes didn't go to her face first time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so my number three pick is Penelope Cruz. Oh, see, Ooh. she was on mine. She was on okay, mine. Okay, good. See, I finally stole one from somebody else. Yep. Penelope Cruz, my girl. Penelope Cruz is great. We used to call her Penelope. Penelope. <laughs> That's something I would do. I would not pronounce her name. I'm throwing in a wild card after we're done. Are we okay. we're doing wild cards too? Well, I still have one more pick. Yeah, you go. Uh, with my last pick, and I was actually shocked to see she's in her 40s. She looks like she's like a crisp 32. Uh, Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Gardner? Jennifer Gardner? Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. She's Ooh. she's not... I, like, am very attracted to her, and I have no idea why. Which Because she was in that bad. Browns movie. No, that's not movie. the Browns no, movie. I was attracted to her way before that. What about that show she was in that used to be on, like, network TV where she was a spy? That was a great... That was great. It was, like, my first I show I watched when I was a kid. But she's one of those girls that I'm really into, and I have no idea why. So that's a good one. Thank you, thank you. All right, let's hear your, uh, your throw-ins. Uh, I'm going Sur- Susan Sarandon for yeah, my Jennifer Garner is 43 card. years old, man. That's crazy. Uh, our wild card... Oh, she was an alias, by the way. Uh, that's what I was thinking of. But Susan Sarandon, because our, we said our wild cards must be pushing like 55, 60. Susan Sarandon, I think, is going to be there just okay. because we're working Bull Durham. Nice. So I thought you were going to go with Barbara Streisand. I, I'm oh. going to throw <laughs> it out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> or, or Fran Dreiser from the fucking Jewish nanny thing. So I'm going to keep my three. So next time I'm on this, I got three other dimes. Well, you're going to have to wait no until. Be, that's fine. Oh, Washington, Washington State, State basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Washington State basketball. So I'm, I got three. And maybe Reese Witherspoon will be, be 40 by then. Ooh. 
fancy. I might have to have four. That'd be tough. Anyways, so I'm going to go with the, the girl I have on there that's in her 60s. So everybody who, there are some people who are going to appreciate this, but you two might not even know who she is. Christy Brinkley. Oh, my yeah, she's great. Friend. She's great. And if my wife, again, if my wife looks like her when she's 60, I'm going to be stoked. So, Christy Brinkley is my wild card. Of course, from, uh, from... She's from... She, she, she was in the one movie, though. Formerly uh, married to Billy Joel. What movie was she oh, in? Mm, as well. Really? Yeah. I love Billy Joel. What movie was she in? Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was the hot girl yep. in the red car. Yeah, red car. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. she's in her 60s? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Christy Brinkley back in the day, though. That's, yeah. Yeah. She, you got she one of those pictures really, of her? Yeah, I have it right here. <laughs> Look at it. On the car, too. That's insane that she's in her 60s now, because that movie's 61. only what? That 15 years well, that old? Movie, no, that's look, not 15 years old. This movie's made in like I looked, 82. I looked it up. Did she's, they just... They just redid it. Oh, they, they just remade, remade the one. scene when it was whatever, Christmas Vacation yeah, or Vegas Christmas, Vacation. Right, with whatever his name is from The Hangover and uh, SNL. She was born in 1954. Yeah. She's 61. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. All right, good job. Is she older than all of us combined? <clears throat> No. 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 It's close. Bad though. math. No, not really that close. I mean, we'd all have to be we're 20 like, we're or 50, younger. Right. Right. We're over 50 combined. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, I'm 20, so that's why I was thinking of it. You thought way. you were young, Tyler. I'm 20, good as I'm a grandpa. That's not that old. To me, that's old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's to all college kids that's old. I remember thinking 28 year olds were. All right. Well, I'm getting really hungry, so, uh, Tyler, you got something to say? I got something to say! I have something to say! Yo, Drake, what up? I got something to say. Yeah, kind of just on the same page as the signs and all that stuff. I just want people to show up to this game, man. I mean, uh, we've been complaining all year, whatever, not even this year, for the past decade that we wanted something exciting to watch, and here it is right before your eyes. Um, I know it's not football, it's basketball, which bothers some of you, which, you know, that's questionable to begin with, but we'll go into that a different day. You should really be going to these games, especially since it's really the only non-conference game that, um, you know, is a quality opponent. You know, I, I, there are a lot of excuses for not going to the other games, and I get that. Like, it was Thanksgiving break, and that's fine and all that. You want to see your families, I get that. But this game, you guys really should be there. It's on the weekend, reasonable start time, 6 p.m. This team is a lot of fun to watch, man, and you're really missing out if you're not there. So, to me, I would just really like to see everybody out there. Coors Vent Center is a really fun place to be when it's loud, when it's packed. Those are some of my favorite memories that I've had since becoming a CU fan. So uh, help me make a few more and show up to the game. I'm just sick of hearing the excuses, to be honest. Like, I know you said, oh, I understand it was this, it was that. Like, just go. Just stop making excuses. Like, finals isn't an excuse. No one just studies. No one doesn't have a two-and-a-half-hour break where they aren't studying for the entire finals week. And if they do, And it's not you insane. don't know when the game is. You should know when your finals are for yeah. a long time, you know. Do something this week with it. Study for it then. You can take wanna, a three-hour break. It's going to be fine. I don't want to hear the excuses. Chap? So my something to say? Or you can add something. Oh, uh, well, yeah. What I will say about your thing is from a student's perspective, you know, there's so many California kids and whatever, and they're not here over break. And that's that's why the attendance sucks over break. But for finals week, yeah, I'm here right now, and it's finals week. I'm taking two hours to do this, and I have a math final doing like, literally two hours so that's it's not that hard to take a break and go watch a hoops game and i know there's a lot of people that are interested in it and it's arguably going to be the biggest game until the utah game or even over the course of the season the biggest home game going 
uh, in the non-conference. So uh, if you're a fan of CU, you're a student, this is, this is prime for you. I know probably our demographic isn't all students on this podcast, but I, I know for a fact that the, the athletic marketing department is selling this game really hard to the public, and there'll most likely be a good public crowd there uh, to the point where it might even fill in some of the blank spots in the C unit. So I'd expect this crowd to be pretty big, uh, upwards of nine, maybe even in the 10,000 range, uh, even without the students uh, really coming in in full force. Now? Now my something, something to say. say. Moby Arena is garbage. <laughs> it's just garbage. They, I, it took me maybe 20 minutes to just get into their parking lot. Well, yeah, it's a one-lane uh, one road trying right. to get into the stadium. Because they only expect 3,000 people to show up. They don't expect 9,000 people to show up. It's just garbage. And then you go into the building, and you can't pass anyone in the concourse. And then you're <laughs> passing people in the concourse. And I was like, all right, I got 20 minutes before this game. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go get my media notes. I'm going to go back upstairs, sit in the media section. I have to walk through the student section to go sit in the media section, mm -hmm. and then when I go sit down in the media section after uh, battling my way through the CSU trash kids, <laughs> I have to sit on a stupid uh, 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 whatever it's a seat. seat. It's a stadium seat, yeah. and they just put a table over the front row, next row, <laughs> and I'm so small that I couldn't see over my laptop. <laughs> well, the table, the table goes up to like my upper chest. Right. So like I'm like typing up here, and I immediately told Chap, I was like, dude, that table's gonna be high on you. Right, and it's just like I couldn't type and do the game at the same time. So like I was like trying to like figure out if I could type on my phone. Like I was. The entire game was me battling my laptop, and then to couple with that with the CSU student section is literally in the media row. Like, you cannot see over the CSU student sections. And then, from what Rich told me, they stopped giving drinks to the media at CSU because all the money went to the Larry Stacy's Diet Coke budget. So, <laughs> so, like, it's uh, Jim, honestly just Jim little brother. Disapprove. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, shoot, we better, a, not, we better tell Levitt to cool it or else they're going to take away boy. our drinks. And, and, like, they apparently had CSU writers have a Chipotle, like, five years ago. How do you give Chipotle to the media and then take it away from the media? That's I just stopped right. covering them after that point. It's like giving them crack and then just taking it away. It's like testing them. <laughs> That's why we're Oh, yeah, how, speaking of that, how have you been with your Chipotle diet? Uh, I've cut I it back to once or twice a week. Because I depressed you that one time and said that you ate it too much. Yeah, so no. I, well, remember when I texted you that I went to uh, lunch <laughs> yeah. by myself? You went to Chipotle. <laughs> I had to go somewhere that I'm comfortable. <laughs> That's awesome. What, do you I not like say, going to lunch by yourself? I don't, so I live alone. So, like, my alone time is right here in this apartment. Whenever I leave, I just, I, I don't want to be alone anymore. So, like, if I'm going to lunch, if I'm going, uh, you know, anywhere besides to work out, I can do that. I, I do that alone. But I just don't like being alone when I when I go places. So like I hate sitting at a restaurant alone. It's like the weirdest thing for, to me. So for me, like the only time I see other people is you. Like whenever I'm out, <laughs> I said that's literally only that because I live alone too. But I go eat alone and I don't want to see anyone, so I just put my hoodie on and I'm like screw <laughs> this. Um, so like that's complete opposite. But like so even when I eat lunch here, yeah. like if I have to like put something on it because I don't have cable, I have to like put something on in my laptop that like talks. So I feel like I'm not eating alone. It's weird. <laughs> Anyway, so back to, first of all, Shap, thank you for that, because, as we all know, I despise CU, CSU with a passion unknown to anything else in the world. As I put and it to Ryan before I went up there, because uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tr 
you know, and this is this is my take on it. This isn't Ryan's take. This is my take because I'm a CU student, and I'm, I'm not really the biggest fan of the team because I'm trying to do my journalism work or whatever. I hate CSU more than I think I like CU at this point. Yeah, see, because I I'm trying that. to be objective. Because that's the most CSU thing ever. Because that, that game is a perfect indication of it. They probably had more people at that game than they have combined for any other home game the entire year. Right. I was joking on Twitter before the game. It's like, guys, there's actually going to be people at Moby Arena this weekend because there's a team coming into town they actually care about. <laughs> and it's so true. It's like, Spano's joke. It's a joke to me. It's I hate CSU. But they were right. good last year. If you take they're out not that bad game this year, there's no reason for them to not be going to that game. If you take uh, out that game, they're averaging less than three thousand seats. People there, and they think that all they need to do to fix the football attendance is put the stadium on campus. Yeah, but they don't go to the basketball game, which is right literally right could right not be closer. Campus. It it's couldn't like, yeah, be closer. Right next to right. a bunch of dorms. I will say though, I do like their floor, which is unusual. Because I don't really like all the stupid crap that people put on floors these days. Their but floor I do, is so dumb. I like it. It's really, I think it's, cool. it's absurd. I don't like the floor, but I like the corners where they put the ram horns that's, on. I think that's the, I think cool. the stadium itself is kind of cool. I just, the floor is stupid. Well, and no, and I, the ram sound meters. Oh my, I was just going to talk It's like on six bars when there's not even a single person <laughs> yeah. in the stadium. No, it's, it's like, the, shut up, man. Like, if you're at least going to have a sound meter, can it at least be somewhat legitimate instead of being like, oh, we're about to tell him to go yell. Sound meter out. on top. I dropped, my, I dropped my backpack from across the stadium post game and it went up two bars. <laughs> <laughs> Someone on Twitter joked, they were like, the only time it goes all the way full is when the, yeah, everything's silent and the, pre, uh, the PA announcer is talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get mine something to say here real quick, and I've waited to make sure that this team is legit before I say that, but it's just an apology for underestimating them. Uh, I really, like I said earlier in the show, I thought all, I, I kind of fell into a trap of thinking all the ifs were going to be bad things, uh, and all the ifs have turned into be good things, and this team is really legit, so um, I just think I, I, I guess I owe them a quasi-apology, and, you know, uh, Zach the uh, the student manager kind of freaked out at me on Twitter when I said their ceiling was sixth in the Pac-12, uh, and so I I have to apologize to him too. Um, their ceiling is man, with the way the Pac-12 is, there's nothing. They, their ceiling is first. I mean, yeah. so it this, really is. Yeah, it, and that's crazy to think about, but like, no one in the Pac-12 is, has grasp of that. So um, uh, it's just it, I, w- I waited, and I think that CSU solidified it to me that this in it. It's not because of CSU. It's just the way they responded to adversity. You know, they came back and ended up scoring a bunch of points when they were down at the half. Uh, this team is legit, uh, and I didn't give them credit for it. And, you know, I didn't give George King enough credit. I didn't give Josh Fortune enough credit. I didn't give Josh Scott enough credit. I didn't give Dom Collier enough credit. I didn't give Wesley Gordon enough credit. So uh, all those dudes deserve more credit. And now they deserve legit fans to come to and watch them. Yeah, I mean, I would kind of echo that same sentiment as well. I got kind of caught in the trap of... Not being embarrassed, but I, I was really high on the team last year mm-hmm. and said that that was going to be the best team that they've had. And that was just obviously a huge bust. So I was a little leery, I guess I would say, of saying anything too positive about the team this year. And I kind of went the other way and was pretty, um, you know, I had it. I didn't say they were going to be terrible, better than last year, but not as high as I really in my head expected them to be. And so, I mean, it's great to see them get kind of get to that level. I mean, I think what's interesting about the Pac-12 is – there's no elite team they could definitely finish first. I wouldn't say I would project them to right now, but um, they, they're capable of beating any of the teams, but yep. I think they're capable of losing to any of the teams in the Pac-12 this year as well. I mean, I was looking the other day, the worst team in the conference in expected RPI is Washington State, 
they're just shy of 120. Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Your worst team in a conference is going to be 120th in the RPI. Like, that's not even a bad loss, unless it's at home. Yeah. So, it, it's just, it, it's going to be a wild ride. You're going to see a lot of results that are probably unexpected in conference play this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm hoping there's just going to be, like, a huge five or six team log jam at the top at the end of the season where everyone's, you know, clawing it out for yeah. for the top spot. And that's so huge for them if they bang out 11-2 and two or 12-1 and one in con- non-conference play, which is kind of where they're going right now. They basically just have to go to get 500 to make... Right. They need... I, I've been saying this on my own radio show for weeks now. 22-23 wins, I think, is the number for them to make the tournament. Are you counting the Pac-12? That Yeah, counting the, the Pac-12 tourney. Yeah, I mean, you'll be in for sure. Right. 23 yeah. out of a major conference. Yeah. 20, right. 22 is probably, like, the, the almost magic number. Yeah. But I, I think that's yeah. starting to be doable. And I was someone at the start of the season that said this team would be probably around... We're just above 500. Right now, I'm starting to project, project, project them up to 19 wins, and if they beat BYU this weekend, I'm ready to say 20. Um, and that's pre-Pac-12 tournament. But that, I mean... So, because I think anything can happen once you get to Vegas. I'd say you always, you already have to be up to 20, in my opinion. I mean, I think they got to beat BYU. I think but that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you expect them to, but if they don't, I mean, well, your projection... But, but it's not even that I don't think they're beating BYU. It's like, if I think if they beat BYU, I know that they can beat other teams. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. I think they go into the Vegas tournament. Obviously, the next two games are home, technically. But that Vegas tournament, after a BYU win, I mean, you... Yeah, I think the, the reasonable expectation is for this team to win at least 20 games from that point moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that's a good place if you're a Colorado Buffaloes fan because where they were two months ago looking into the season, I don't think many people thought 20 or thought that we'd be thinking at this point, well, tournament's actually doable. So Yeah, there weren't a lot of people who thought we were making the tournament this year for sure. Or even realistically thought that because yeah. I think that's the key. I, I think, you know, even in the back of your head, Tyler, you're, you're a big fan, you probably thought there was somewhere in the back of your head, well, maybe if things go right. Yeah. But it wasn't as realistic. Well, realistically looking at it now, a lot of questions have been answered, and it's like, okay, well, this if this team plays to maybe their 65th percentile right now, they're probably going to make the tournament. Yeah, no, and that's just a 65th percentile. If they don't make the tournament, something went wrong, I believe. Right. That just the way this team is built and the way their roster stacks up, they're a tournament team. They should be a tournament yeah, team. I, mean, I think it will depend a little bit about on how the other teams do. Right, I mean, right. The, the I mean, non-conference, I think, has been a little underwhelming so far. I think some of the teams we thought were going to be really bad haven't been as bad, but I, I was expecting CSU to probably be a little better. Air um, Force. Yeah, we'll see how Auburn is. Yeah. Um, I mean, those those things are important, too, especially because the committee does take such a big account into what who you played in the non-conference. You don't want to have a poor-looking non-conference right. schedule. Now, if you go 12-1, and one, that helps, but you still want to be able to say that you played good teams, they especially in the Pac-12, which is, I a, think, is a good league this yeah. year, but they don't have elite teams, and they're not going to be one of the two or three best conferences in the country this year. Well, so you you want to have a good overall schedule. You'd rather, honestly, you'd rather be 11-2 and two uh, with a loss to SMU, than twelve and one with SMU somehow losing to Kent oh, State. Oh, absolutely! So you need—they really need SMU to not, you know, somehow slip up in Vegas. All right. Well, thank uh, all eleven foot ten of you two for joining me, and thank you all for listening to the BSN Buffs podcast, presented by BSN Denver. Every team, every sport, every goddamn day. Straight off the block with it, Eagle Street to be specific. I peepin' at you, peepin' different. I pay my dues, you keep the difference. I can-
see the end in the beginning So I'm not racing, I'm just sprinting Cause I don't wanna finish They diminish, I replenish Scientific, I'm out of this world ho. I wear bright red, like a girl told No homo, fingernails dirty I've been counting dirty money since 12.30 A.M. weigh them, if they short take them Right back and spray him, amen Yeah, I just do my way And every time I do it, I do my thing Yeah, believe that, like a true story Rims big, make the car look like it's two stories If I hop out, that'd be suicide No back seats, call that paralyzed I don't have a spine I don't fantasize, I mastermind, then go after mine, you see I handle mine, I dismantle mine, I told a toolbox, bitches hammer time, so excuse me as I nail them, tell some venom, just repel them, I'ma kill them, someone tell them, I'ma kill them, I'ma fill them up, this mama can't tell them, and the doctors can't heal them, I'ma kill them, and we sell them, I know you smell them, if you want it, you can just yell in the beat in the morning, at your tenant, you hold keys, go for 20, have a key, go for 11, after me there will be nothing, I am legend, and I will smith, now that's how you let the beat build, bitch, that's how you let the beat build, bitch, now that's how you let the beat build, bitch, let the beat build, bitch, and the beat goes boom, 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 it goes boom, 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 now say, Diesel from giving me this diesel like a devil.